In this episode of the No Sitting on the Sideline Down podcast, Joe welcomes Jen Truman. Her journey from a contrast survivor to Everest conqueror is nothing short of remarkable. In this episode, it's promised inspiring adventure. Kindle finds the kids tying up the room without prop. Stay tuned for an extraordinary tale of resilience and triumph. Next on the podcast. Let's do this. Welcome to the No Sitting on the Sideline Dad podcast, a podcast about a journey of discovery and conversations about not sitting on the sideline of life. Let's get involved. Here's host Joe Foley. In the podcast, I am thrilled to welcome Jen Drummond, a woman who's etched her name in history by scaling the second highest summits of all seven continents. Her story is an extraordinary testament of resilience, determination, have come overcome a catastrophic car crash in 2018. A successful entrepreneur, author, mother of seven, Jen has managed to turn adversity into empowerment. She shares her experience insights on her podcast, Seek Your Summit, and YouTube channel. Her transformation seeking your summit programs keep eye out for transform seeking your summit programs. Keep an eye out for her forthcoming coming book, Quit the Proof, The Seven Necessity of Becoming Resilient, launching in January 2024. Welcome to the podcast, Jen. Thank you for having me. What a great intro. Yeah, I'm working all afternoon. <laughs> well, one thing is interesting too is quit proof. Yes. That's one thing I think about when I was doing the, getting prepared for this interview and stuff is quit proof. What does quit proof mean to you? Yeah. You know, it's continuing to live and do what your heart is and pulling you towards. Right. So mm-hmm. I quit on myself years ago before my car accident. I was a stay at home mom. And I just kept telling myself, you know what? When my kids get launched into college, then I'll start doing me again. And I, like just kind of was going through the motions of life. Luckily for me, the car accident woke me up and didn't kill me. And all of a sudden I realized like I could leave at any time. I do not get to, con- I do not control when I die, but I sure get to choose how I live. And so I want to start living. There's a lot of things I want to do. And I almost didn't have another day. When you all of a sudden don't almost have another day, your list of that bucket of things you want to do and experience and explore and see in this world before you leave it's pretty long. I'm pretty sure it's going to take me about four lifetimes now to work through my bucket list. It just, it just keep growing and growing and growing. It does. It does. It does. <laughs> well, one thing that's interesting too about Quit Proof, and we're going to talk about tonight, is resilience. Resilience. I think it's important because it's an important subject to talk about. But the one thing I was interested, and I keep having a hard time saying it because I like I most like tricks me. Seven second summits on seven continents. It's almost like a t- tongue twister. It is a hundred percent. Um, what, what what made you drive you to go all seven continents and seven second summits? It's funny. So I was starting with a mountain named Ama de Blom. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that was a mountain I was going to climb for my 40th birthday to launch my next decade of life. And then my son challenged me to climb Everest. And oh, wow. so I'm like, you know what? If Everest is the biggest be all mountain that you want me to climb, I'll climb Everest. So I hired a coach. He trained me for Ama de Blom and Everest. This coach gave me a book about training and becoming an uphill athlete. And in the book, there's a lady who got a Guinness World Record for skiing across the Alps. Like in a half joking conversation I had with my coach, I said, I could have done that. Like I can (laughs) suffer and my kids would think I'm cool because at the time I started, this was COVID. So I was this homeschool teacher and I was not cool by any means. And my coach kind of laughed. He's like, I'll think of something. I said, okay, fine. Not growing pumpkins, speed eating hot dogs, growing weird fingernails, you know, like none of that. And he came back a few weeks later and he said, hey, Jen, I have the perfect world record for you. 
I think you should become the first woman to climb the seven second summits. And like you, I'm like, what are those? He goes, it's the second highest point on each continent. It's been done by one male. They're harder than the first seven. They've never been done by a woman. And he goes, let's think about it. Seven continents, seven mountains, seven children. I think it's a jackpot for you. (laughs) At that point, like I was like, why am I here? Why wasn't I killed? What's my purpose? And this hit all of it. I get to travel. I get to explore. I get to empower women, mothers in particular. I was all in. Well, it was interesting too. You said Everest. And I was, and that's, I always see those on National Geographic and on TV all the time. And I, that must have been a great teacher for resilience. <laughs> Everest is a teacher for resilience. Everest is a teacher for so much. It's a beautiful climb. It's very commercialized. So back in the day, it probably would have been really hard to do. It still takes quite a bit of mindset and physical ability, but it is a lot easier than what it would have been like decades ago, for sure. What, what kind of, what's some of the experience you had that the moments when you're hiking it, that, that you like, you had to really be resilient? Yeah. So I have a fear of heights, believe it or not. Not a great person to get into mountaineering. That is a fear. <laughs> no, I digress. So when you go through the ice fall, those are like the famous photos that we see where the ladders are crossing against two crevasses and that's how you cross. I mean, that's mind numbingly scary. And I remember thinking, okay, there's 999 things I can think about. They're going to keep me from going across this little bridge here. But the one thing that's going to let me go across is if I say, okay, safely put my foot on this ladder, safely put my foot on this ladder, safely put my foot on this ladder. And I just kept repeating that mantra and focusing on that one action. So then no other thought of fear or anything else could get into my brain. And I crossed the, I crossed the crevasse. Oh, wow. You cross the crevasse like that. And you're someone who's scared of those things. You feel like you can take on anything in the world, <laughs> right? I mean, I'm like, I'm in, like, we are good people. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> well, it's interesting too. I, I, I live in New Hampshire, so we have the White Mountains. And I remember when I was younger, we climbed Mount Shakur to the top. I made it at two peaks. And man, I'm, I'm just like you. I'm afraid of heights. And I remember climbing up then. And, but one was one funny story about that is it was a, it was a church group and he kept giving me a piece of candy was called, I think it was butterscotch. And ever since then, I, if I ever doing like that, heights for heights, I always have butterscotch. It always helps calms me down. <laughs> nice. Isn't that funny how you can associate flavors or colors or things with different things that you've done? Definitely, definitely too. And it's, it's a challenge. I mean, Mount Shakur, Mount Everest, totally different things. Nice. Mount, Mount Everest is much bigger, but it's, it's a great challenge. The one thing I understand, I want to really talk about is your, the seven necessities of becoming resilient. Yeah. What, are some, what are some necessities becoming resilient? Right. You know, big mountains take big teams. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of times when we set big goals for ourselves, whether they're physical mountains or metaphorical mountains that we're taking on in our lives, the bigger that goal is, the bigger the team you need to have to make that goal come to fruition. And when you climb big mountains like Everest, you have huge teams. You have teams that are delegated to do different parts of the mountain so that you can safely climb it. And a lot of times I think this solopreneur, this entrepreneur that it's glorified, it's never just one person. There's a whole team behind the scenes that's making all this stuff happen. So don't kid yourself. If you're doing big things, part of being resilient is having a team to support you and help carry that load so you can do the big thing. 
what are some some steps maybe to maybe become more resilient? Yeah, ask for help. <laughs> I know it's <laughs> a poor level word for a lot of us. Like we love to give it. We hate to receive it. It's hard for us to ask for it. But when you ask for it, amazing things can happen. And I'll give you an example. When I was training to climb Everest, I had never been away from home that long. So I was going to be gone for three to four weeks for the pursuit. And that's because I live at altitude. Some people are gone six to eight weeks because they mm -hmm. live at sea level. And I went to the school and I said, hey, listen, I'm going to be gone. My mom's here. I have help for the kids. Everybody's going to be fine. But they might just be a little emotionally fragile. Can you offer them some grace while I'm gone? And the teachers were, of course we can. But hey, let's have you come in and teach a class about setting goals. And we'll call it a What's Your Everest campaign. And then we will... Like you'll come in, the kids will have a little hiker, they'll have a flag. And on that flag, the kids will write what their Everest goal is. And in the front of the building, we're going to have this huge mountain made out of construction paper. You'll be a little hiker. And I had a tracking device on me while I was at Everett. So they could move this hiker up and down the mountain, depending on where I was. My kids felt so supported. They were so proud of me. They were so excited to be like the center of this entire pursuit. And then when I'm on the mountain, I'm so excited to climb this mountain for all these little eyes that are watching, <laughs> that are starting to believe like, hey, if she can climb Everest, I can too. Like I saw her, I talked to her and I like, I asked for help and look how much more came back to me and look how many more people got to benefit from that journey. And we all have those journeys. We all have those things that we're doing that if we allow people to be a part of the process, so much more is possible. Why do you think people like don't like asking for help? Especially, I know, especially for men, sometimes we have a hard time asking for help. But in general, why do you think people sometimes have a hard time? You know, I don't know. I think for myself personally, I used to have a hard time because I took so much pride mm -hmm. in being able to do things and accomplish things and be able to say, like, I did that. The truth is, is that we get to say we did it still, even if we had help, right? It's not like it's any different. And then... I know for me a while ago, I used to keep track. Like if I ask for help, now I owe you. Now I need to make mm -hmm. it even. And how do I keep, uh, how do I do that with everybody that's helping? And the reality is, is that I might get help from you and I might go help somebody else and it all comes even, but it doesn't mean where you're giving is necessarily where you're receiving from. Definitely. It's, it's, it's interesting too, because yeah, I, I found that fascinating too. One thing I wanted to ask you, and I was thinking about that while you, while you were talking, but something we just talked about a minute ago is about Everest goals and how important are goals in, especially I like that thing about the Everest goal is pretty neat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I think goals give us direction. They give us, they tell us like, are the actions I'm doing getting me closer to my goal or further away from my goal? And sometimes the goal isn't the goal. Mm -hmm. I'll be honest with you. I've set a goal. I went on a friend's private plane once to go mm -hmm. shopping. And I was the best experience I've ever had. I literally was driving home. I'm like, I'm calling. I'm going to get my flight pilot's license. I want my own plane someday. I can like taste the mojitos and I can feel the beach under the sand and I can hear Kokomo playing on the radio. And I sign up for these lessons and I start doing them. And I'm like, this is a lot less sexy than what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> you have all these checklists that you need to do to make sure the plane's ready to fly. The entire time you're flying, you're checking all your gauges to make sure something's not wrong. You're looking for places out in the land to make sure if you, something went wrong right now, where would you land the plane? And then for two seconds, you get to enjoy the environment. And then the rest of the time, you're like, okay, if this thing goes down, what are we doing? How are we fixing it? What's going on? 
And I would come home from those lessons and I would do the same thing in my house. I'd be mm -hmm. scanning the environment for problems. I have seven children. There's a lot of problems. On a <laughs> yeah. It was not working out for us. And then I realized like, okay, I set that goal. Now that I know more about what that pursuit involves, it's not for me. That doesn't mean I quit or I gave up. That means I discovered more about myself. And now I can put this energy into something else and be glad that I found out in more detail instead of berating myself for not finishing something I started. How important is discover like discover what's important to you or discover about more about yourself? Because sometimes some people don't always work on themselves. They're always worrying about it, especially if you have seven kids. You never really has a hard time having time for yourself. It is hard to have time for myself with seven children. But if I don't teach them how to carve out time in your life for yourself, where are they going to learn it? Mm -hmm. It's yeah. very important for me to demonstrate what it's like to be a high performing mom and doing things that I like and taking care of the family. Because when my kids are older, I don't want them to give up their life or their dream for their children. I want them to be able to do both things. And the only way they learn how to do both things is if they see someone doing that and they have it demonstrated to them, or at least that's the easiest way, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's other ways we figure it out, but that really put things in perspective for me. Well, it's also too, when you have seven kids, you must have seven perspectives on what you're doing. What there has been the response? What's been the response from your children? Especially like you just mentioned, you were teaching them by setting an example, but they must come out, hey, mom, you're doing a great job, or can you help me with this? What is their opinion or expression about what you're doing? You know, there's, they were excited, right, for a while. They thought it was cool because I was on the Today Show or some different things. They're like, oh, that's my mom. And that wears off in five seconds with children. They're like, mom, you have bad <laughs> breath. Go brush your teeth. They're like, I mean, I'm a mom. Like, there's nothing cool about me because I'm their mom. But there are these little glimpses of, hey, my mom did something amazing, I think, like other people are telling us. And, you know, it's like our kids, we tell them things a thousand times. And then every once in a while, we get to hear them repeating what we said to them. We're like, okay, it's working. We don't always know it's working, but it's working. Well, it happens all the time. I, my son, I, exactly. I'm like, and I hear back from him, I go, oh, he got it. He got it. He got what I was telling him. And I'm like, I won't say anything because I don't want to mess it up. <laughs> Right, 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 right. We just, we keep that little pride to ourselves. Exactly, exactly. Well, also too, you know, the time that changed your life, the car accident, we didn't talk about it before a little bit, but how did it change your perspective? I know, but we talked a little bit before, but I, it must have been like one of those eye-opening moments. Yeah, it was a line in the sand, right? It was yeah. like, I think we convince ourselves that we have time, like someday. And that car accident almost took my life. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden I was looking at my obituary and I'm like, what would it say? And there were so many more things I wanted it to say. And it really entirely changed my shift of like, what will people think? I was very governed on like what society would think or what was a prideful or what I should be doing. That car accident happened and wiped all of that out. Like now mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, you can have your opinion. That's fine. I'm going to die someday. I want a bigger, I want to live. Like I want to live. I don't care if I fall on my face. I don't care if I look crazy. I want that experience. I want to know what it's like to swim in the ocean, to climb on mountains, to visit Africa, to do all these things, because someday we don't get this experience as we know it. Well, definitely interesting, too, because you always hear those stories, especially when people on the deathbed regretting not doing what they really wanted to do because mm -hmm. they realize they don't have much time left. Yeah, it's so true. And when it gets that close to you, it's just you can't ignore it. And my first year of life, I mean, I wish I could say this was forever. I can get to it, but I don't live from that space. 
my first year after that accident, like, everything was off. I was just amazed at life. My kids got in a fight before mm-hmm. I'd be like, stop fighting. Let's figure this out. Everybody get along. All of a sudden, my kids get in a fight. Like, isn't it cool that I have two <laughs> children that have entirely different opinions that are trying to convince the other of their thought processes and why they're right because they want to have them on the same side of the table as they are? You just have this different perspective of there's not really right or wrong. There's just different ways of doing, different ways of experiencing, different ways of like figuring this game of life out. Yeah. It's, oh, you know, you're like a football coach with seven kids. You got to, you have different opinions, you're always breaking up fights. And what, what are some of the methods of you diffusing some of the situations? Cause I, I'm, I have a son, so I don't have the experience of another kid. Oh yeah. So I, I have a Nerf gun. I know this is <laughs> ridiculous, but like your my kids are expecting me to be like, you go stop this, blah, 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 blah. And then when mom comes around the corner and like shoots them with a Nerf gun, like mom, you're supposed to be the adult here. I'm like, no, I'm not. You're supposed to be the adult. Like, act like your age. Like, come on, figure it out. And so if you play with them and connect with them and just have fun, like, I think we take life so seriously. Well, why do you think that, though? Because why we take life so seriously? Because we're always busy. Especially being parents, we're always busy. We're busy. Why do you think, why do you think we take it so seriously? I don't think we intend to. I think just life just piles on, right? And all of a sudden, mm-hmm. it becomes a whole bunch of to-do lists. And this person has to be there. We need dinner. And someone needs a birthday party present. And where are we going? And how is this working out? And so it's very easy to get caught up in that doing instead of being. And if you can just slow down for two seconds. And we do this thing at a red light by our house. Mm-hmm. We hit the red light all the time because we're on the short side. Mm-hmm. And so I used to get angry. I'm like, oh, we hit the red light again. Like, are you kidding me? And then finally, I realized I'm the only one who's angry about the red light. The red light does not care that it's red. And we turned it into our gratitude light. So in the car, every time we hit the red light, everybody knows they have to say something out loud they're grateful for. All of a sudden, this is like a fun experience for us to hit the red (laughs) lights because I understand like what they're grateful for. What are they thinking about? What's going on in their little world right now? Okay, this is a good way for me to check in. If we hit the light green, sometimes I go like, oh, man, I wish we would hit the red light. And like, it's just flipping the script on things that are going on in our lives to empower us and fill us with joy instead of limit us and make things serious. Well, it's interesting too. Um, you mentioned that your podcast, you have a podcast actually, and on a YouTube channel, you've been traveling everywhere. What are some of your favorite spots you've been? Yeah. So I just took my twin daughters to South Africa. Oh, wow. My kids turned 10. I let them go anywhere in the world on a trip with me because I think they're young enough to think I'm cool and old (laughs) enough to remember. And so the twins, one of them has liked elephants since she was two. The other one has liked cheetahs. I'm like, okay, where can I see both cheetahs and elephants? South Africa. So we went there on this trip and I could move to South Africa. Like I came back trying to convince the rest of my children, let's just go there for a year and see what it's like, (laughs) blah, 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 blah. My son says, I'm a junior in high school. I'm not missing my junior and senior year of high school. We're not traveling. You know, and you're like, okay, well, we're not, but it's still fun to think and experience and explore. Have you met some interesting people along your way? Oh, the people are the best part, right? It's so fun to see how different people do things. And it lets you come home and be a little more flexible in how you're doing things. I once was in Nepal right after Halloween. Okay, oh. my house on Halloween has Halloween pillows, Halloween soap, Halloween mugs. Hall- I mean, we are Halloween, Okay. <laughs> And I went to Nepal and nobody's doing anything. 
and everybody's connecting and hanging out and having a really good time. And I came back and all I'm doing is boxing up pillows and putting away dishes and doing all this stuff. I'm like, why am I doing all this? Like the point of these times of the year is to connect with one another, not to decorate, to show off what we're doing. And so the next holiday, which was Thanksgiving, I didn't bring out all, all the Thanksgiving things. And at first, I was like, why not? I'm like, I don't want to spend the time doing that. I'd rather spend the time playing games with you guys. So let's do this instead. And it just gives you that space to question, am I doing things out of habit or am I doing things out of choice? If I had a choice, would I do it different? Well, you mentioned, as you said, connecting. How important is connecting to, like, how important connecting for you? Oh, it's everything. Like, I even run a parenting connection challenge. So oh, wow. 40 day challenge, you like it's little teeny tiny things you do like each day to connect with your children. My kids love it. I did it because it held me accountable and make sure that I was slowing down enough to be present with them. And then we liked it. So now I bring it out every once in a while. I feel like I'm drifting from people and it's just getting busy and we'll launch the challenge again. We're launching it October 1st. I have a whole oh. bunch of people signed up and it's just this accountability thing. We share ideas and it's super fun. Well, it's interesting you mentioned accountability. How important is accountability, especially being, being your challenge, but how important accountability is to you? It's everything. It's what allows me to get things done. If I sit by myself, my mind can tell me a thousand things that are going <laughs> in the wrong direction, but I have somebody else that kind of checks me. Like, no, that's not true. I mean, mm -hmm. I used to be in cold calling when I was building my financial service business. Mm -hmm. And if I sat in my office by myself trying to call, I needed another drink. I had to go to the bathroom. I was hungry. Like I was doing everything about m making the phone calls. But if I went into the room where everybody was calling and we made it a game and now I had to make 10 calls before you made your 10 or whatever, things got done and it was a lot more fun. Well, that's interesting. That's interesting too, making a game. Seven kids, doing chores. You make that a game too? Yes, we're, we're games. We're gamify everything over here. Well, you're the one with the, you said you had Nerf guns. So, you know, kids got a chore, you started shooting with Nerf guns. So I figured it was a game. Hey, like a game doing the chores and stuff like that. I just ought to ask that question. For sure. It's perfect. Well, one thing was uh, your podcast. What is your podcast about? Yeah. So the podcast is called Seek Your Summit. Mm -hmm. And I interview successful business people that have gone from success to a life of significance. And I think all of us, once we get to that successful place, we're looking for more. And ways to give back, ways to empower others, ways to make our life mean more than just what we've done. And so it's a really fun way to hear people's stories, what they've built and what they've done with their lives. It's pretty inspiring. What are some of the topics you cover? I'm just kind of curious. On the podcast? Yes. Yeah. So I also interview guests that have had significant success. I've interviewed some authors that have written about different topics that I'm interested in. I've interviewed people that have helped me with my personal branding and just giving tips on, hey, what do you do on these social media channels or what's LinkedIn all about or all these different things. Like, so pretty much if it's something I'm interested in, I throw it on the podcast and figure somebody else is probably interested in it too. Well, that's true. And it's your podcast and it's, it's, important, yes. to, it's important to your audience. That's why I feel sometimes. But also too, as I was thinking about, have you got any feedback from the podcast? Anybody like send you emails and any feedback, any positive feedback? Yeah. You know, that's the best part about podcasting is one, you get to interact with really amazing people. And then two, you get these little messages from people that you've never met 
And I said, hey, you interviewed this. Like I had a podcast that I thought was not my best podcast. <laughs> and I had somebody emailing and be like, oh my God, this is exactly what I needed to hear. Thank you so much. Like this made my day. And I shared it with a whole bunch of people. I'm like, what do I know? Okay, fine. I'm just going to keep interviewing. And it always resonates with somebody. Well, it's interesting. Yeah, it's, it's a positive thing. It's a message. You have a message to get it out there. And a podcast is a great way to get the message out. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Well, your YouTube channel too. You know, you have a YouTube channel too also. And there's some really cool videos and okay. also some really interesting shorts. What kind of feedback has been from that too? Yeah, you know, you get positive and negative feedback, right? Like how can especially you- Especially YouTube. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially YouTube. You're like, how can you afford to do this? Or blah, 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 blah. And you're like, listen, I'm not here giving financial advice right now. I'm here just sharing if you go to this location, here's some things that you might like to do, okay? If you don't go to that location, don't comment on the video, no big deal. So I'm just sharing some of the stuff that I've learned in traveling and my kids love it. They, they mm -hmm. love being in videos. You know, I have a podcast. My daughter went to camp this summer. She wanted, when she came back from camp, she's like, mom, I wanna be on your podcast. I'm like, okay, perfect. What do you wanna do? She's like, let's do an episode on macaroons. They're my favorite. Oh, that's cool. I'm like, <laughs> okay, well, why are we gonna do this episode? And she's like, well, I think, we should do a taste test of the macaroons and we can report to everybody on your channel like what that's all about. I'm all in, right? Like 100%. And so it's been just a fun, playful thing for our family. I have a son that's a DJ, so he gets to oh. work music and do different pieces. And we have a lot of videos that we haven't put up there yet just because I'm not quite as consistent as I want to be, but it's still something we enjoy. Yeah, it's fun. It's a fun avenue, especially I did one time share with my son that we did a video together when he was probably five or six and it was a blast. I had, a, I had him sit him next to me on a chair with like five pairs of jeans so he could sit in the video. I love it. <laughs> and you can see his eyes with a couple missing teeth, but he was like, he, he enjoyed every minute of it. Oh, that's so fun. It's so good. Well, one thing interesting too, your upcoming book, I know it's a pre-order right now, but it says quit proof the seven necessities to become resilient launch it's launching in january can you tell me a little more about the book yeah so the book goes into stories that i have from the mountains so each there's seven strategies we changed the title a little bit since you got that form so the seven strategies to build resilience and achieve your life goals it's still called quit proof you can mm -hmm. order it on amazon if you order it and pre-order which is right now you'll get a whole bunch of fun bonuses and perks and all these different things that we're doing for people so do that because it's worth it and it just takes each one of the mountains that I climbed and a lesson that I learned on the mountain. And then it gives you different questions and different ways to apply that to your own life. So that when you're trying to climb your metaphorical mountain, typically not the physical one, but maybe you are building that resilience in a time that you don't need the resilience, right? Resilience is built in the off season so that when you're in the season of needing it, you have that skill refined, you know what you're doing and you're ready to put it to use. Well, some of the things, too, was like wrapping up like final thoughts. Can you leave me with a story with a or maybe something from the book that maybe it was a, a meaning to it? Yeah, definitely. I climbed Mount Tyree in Antarctica. Mm -hmm. I was the first American female to climb this mountain. I was one of 20 people that have summited it in the world, right? So it has not been climbed that often. And I just remember standing on the side of the mountain before we went up for our summit push thinking, I would have been born when my mom or my grandma were. This wouldn't have even been a possibility, right? <laughs> we have come so far in society and what we're capable of doing, what we're able to experience and explore, that it just gave me so much pride knowing that as I carry my flag up this mountain, 
I'm making it easier for the next person. And they get to carry that flag further and make more possible for other people. So no matter where you are in this world, carry your flag with pride, move it forward because it helps other people do the same and we all benefit. Also, where they can connect with, they want to find more about your book and more about you. Yeah, please. So jendrummond.com is my website. I'll have a link there for the book. You can learn about different challenges that I run. I have a blog, the podcast, all my social media, media handles are there. So feel free to use those and connect with me on the different channels. I love it when people reach out. So please reach out and connect. I'm super excited to meet you. Jen, thank you much for being on the podcast this evening. I really do appreciate all the links to be in the show notes for this episode. It was a great time. I had a great laugh. Thank you for being on the podcast. Hey, thank you so much. And there we have it. I'd like to extend a huge thanks to Jen Drummond for joining me today and sharing her incredible journey. You can find more about Jen and her awe-inspiring adventures by visiting her website. All the links and resources mentioned in this episode are available in the show notes over at nocityonthesideline.com slash 135. If this episode sparked any thoughts, comments, or questions, please don't hesitate to reach out. Leave a comment in the show notes or for anything else you want to talk about. You can find my contact information at nosittingonthesideline.com slash contact. As we conclude, I just want to share some final thoughts. And every episode, every story, every conversation we have here is a step toward understanding growth and connection. Whether you're a dad, mom, or just someone trying to navigate this wild ride of life and parenting. Remember, you're not alone in the journey. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, take care, give your kids a hug, and tell them how much you love them. And remember, keep making every day count. God bless. See you in the next episode. Bye.